0: and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in-store, and exclusive access to sold-out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD. And claim money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid Hello and welcome to episode 7 of 101 Part-Time Jobs, the podcast where I speak exclusively to musicians, comedians and artists about the jobs they did before they went full-time. You may have heard episode 5 where I spoke to Alex Wonk Unit, which was a conversation that was long enough and interesting enough to split into two episodes. So this week we have part 2 of that chat, a lot about living in London, getting wasted, and stories from the characters that were the Flying Medallions, his band before Wonk Unit. Including one great story about DJing at the Camden Palace, now Coco. There's actually a great scene in Zadie Smith's swing Time set around the then Camden Palace, so I have some great visuals of those two worlds colliding, and maybe you will too. Either way, if you haven't read that book, pick it up. It's a great story. Anyway, here's Alex Wonk Unit Part 2 on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Signature Brew is the official beer of 101 part-time jobs.
1: We used to rob the record industry, like recent you know. How would he do that? Oh, it was amazing. So me and Christian, we, we formed the Fly Medallions from the postroom, and uh, my job, I, I, I took in, I dealt with product coming in, you know, all the new records that came in to. The label, and you know, I allocated them to, um, you know, the various departments, and also to the reps around the country who would take it to Woolworths and try and get, you know, the the records into shops. So I knew what could be um, sort of disappeared. So um, we, it was quite amazing. We, I remember they paid me five thousand pounds a year, a fucking year. The pay was shit. Yeah. So what we did, there was twelve reps. And in front of everyone's noses, we created a 13th rep. Yeah, I remember his name. I, oh, I can probably say his name. Yeah, um, we've created this fictitious rep called Joe Richards, London Colney, which was the Secure Corps office, London Colney. Joe Richards. And in fact, what we so this fictitious rep wasn't a rep at all. He was our dodgy drug dealer, stroke dodgy wheeler dealer geezer that we'd send product to every fucking day. And, uh, How many
0: records are we talking? Like ten records a day?
1: Oh, thousands. Oh, I, right. I, I, We I we once got into real bad trouble. We I, I once sold ten thousand promo, five thousand um, <laughs> promos, and five thousand <laughs> promos. Yeah, to this geezer. Now we was this one time we were supposed to. I've scrapped these records, yeah. And what would happen, If there was a fuck-up on any, like the white labels or any stuff like that, records got scrapped, yeah. A crusher would come in, you know, like a, um, you know, a, a dustbin lorry. They'd come in and we would scrap the records, yeah. But they got the the, the, the labels wrong. So these 10,000 records had to be scrapped. And we was like, no, fuck that, we're selling these. So uh, So what we did, we scrapped like 30 boxes of rubbish in front of everyone. And we sent off these records. Yeah, on the understanding they wouldn't leave Europe. Yeah, that was the deal. We'd send them over to the mainland, yeah, but um, under no circumstances could they leave Europe. Okay. Because obviously sure. you know, we don't need ten yeah, thousand dodgy out. English promos getting to America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we sent them over. I mean we was earning um, my five thousand pounds a year wage, yeah, we was earning two grand a week. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like right, from dodgy <laughs> records. Like I live I lived in hotels in, in London. Like I lived in every single hotel in the Victoria area. So
0: who are you sending the? Who was distributing? I mean, he obviously was no guy,
1: names. He but. was. Yeah, it was a guy called Gavin, and he was. He would previously worked in the record industry, so he knew he how knew to distrib- distribute. Yeah, he knew distribution So
0: I, I remember going to a little record shop where I, um, where I grew up, and, and get you know we it was it was normal to buy a promo copy. Yeah. You know, it, all it was was a little sticker on the back. you yeah. Said little yeah. transparent sticker at that. You
1: yeah. Know. So, so we so we were selling on a big scale. We yeah, about two thousand. Two thousand quid a week, both me and Christian were, were earning, and we was also selling to all the record and tape exchange. We had an army of younger um, people that would come into the postroom, and every night we'd also give them fifty CDs on like 20, CDs yeah. albums, yeah. and they would go, and they would sell those and they get three quid, yeah, three quid a uh, fucking CD to a shop. Yeah, so every night, so we was uh, as I say, I, I lived in hotels. I, I, we'd go out, we'd get fucked up. It, I'd never had a penny. I'd buy new, brand new Burlington socks every day. I'd never wash them. <laughs> brand new Burlington socks, and um, and that's funny. We did actually end up getting fired, but that was because of conflict of interest with the flying medallions more yeah. more so than yeah the the theft. I, I don't know how you can do well this. if you're, they were going to get scrapped. No, but this is what happened. So the, um, the the head of the dance department actually got fired. Because what happened was about, about three months after we'd sold these records, they were long, long gone, yeah, um, a geezer from the dance department came down to, to me and he's like, Al, did you uh, scrap those records? I'm like, yeah. and I was like, I've just had on the phone. And I'm like, right. And, and He was like, yeah, and she's screaming that her, the wrong mix, or I can't remember what it was, the label, or the mix on this promo. But basically, they're all in America, and they were all across every rhythm and blues R and B store across America. Our records, yeah. And it was like, why are they there? And I'm like, I don't know. We scrapped them because we did. We scrapped these fucking boxes in front of everyone. Yeah? yeah. So then it was like, oh well, they must have been stolen from the rubbish dump. Yeah. You know I mean, but but then the stupid bastard head of the fucking dance department, idiot, turned out he it's a dance department, yeah. He'd been ordering. Nirvana and Guns N' Roses and big selling albums on CD to his dance department account, yeah? And flogging them in the shops himself. So he got caught. <laughs> he got caught selling this, you know, these fucking CDs, yeah? And got sacked for it. It was crazy. It was, it got a bit mental, though. I mean, we lived like kings. And we were sort of kings of so back then. You were
0: on that label?
1: Nah, we worked in the postroom and they didn't want to know us. We were just the shit kids in yeah. the postroom, you know? And the, and the A&R guys were just shit crap. And it was quite funny because we became like the band of 1994, like one of the most hyped bands. And every and there was a b- bidding war for us. Nice. And all the majors wanted us and they're all fucking, you know, you know I remember Island Records phoning me up and saying, saying, I'm ph- phoning up a press office, just saying, oh, can you ask Alex how much, you know. Alex in the mail. Yeah, how much he's, <laughs> after I remember saying to her, her, her name was Emma, she became Robbie Williams' PR guy. PR uh, woman mm-hmm. and I remember saying to Emma if Ireland come in with anything less than £150,000 tell them not to bother <laughs> and, and, I, and I remember and, and Geffen I remember the, the main executives in the Geffen LA office and they just signed Elastica and the guy that signed Elastica I remember him throwing the Elastica album across the room after he'd heard the Fly Medallion's mm-hmm. album going, I've just signed this shit, you know, which is which is actually, I mean, the Elastica round was fantastic. You know what I mean? And yeah, now yeah. I can appreciate it. But I think this geezer, the Geffen guy, he was slightly more punk. And when he heard the medallions, he offered us $350,000 to sign to Geffen. But our manager at the time, he kind of played the game a little bit wrong. So there was a bidding war and he didn't accept any offers and he held off too long. And then East-West... um it was Nathan, wasn't it? Nathan Golfe, Happy Mondays manager. He was the first. He really loved us, wanted to sign us, but then he lost interest. And because a mainstream record label, A and R men, are sheep. They know fucking nothing about music. They're sheep. Maybe not. Maybe not now. In fact, because the mainstream now is nothing like like it was. But in the day, just a pack of sheep that all hung out together. They'd find the band they liked, and then they'd all get their fucking you know, the power of the majors behind them and try and get that band, you know? And, um, so Nathan pulled out and then suddenly, you know, why has Nathan McGough pulled yeah, out of Fly My yeah. and then suddenly we're doing dum-dum-domino effect and we got nothing. Fuck. Was, taken
0: out for some nice dinners?
1: Beer and pizza, which was what we originally formed a band for because I was the one that had to go out and buy beer and pizza for all the bands and, uh, and I was like, I want beer and pizza. I met Nirvana, yeah, and this is one of my biggest, um, Regrets because the post room was next to the ballroom, and basically most of the bands were shit, and they never broke anything. So when Nirvana came in, you know the band, you know I'd never bothered listening to Nevermind because I just presumed it was another shit signing. And so the band were doing the playback to the Smells Like Teen Spirit video next to the post room, were the one where they're in the basketball court. And, you know, the band are in there and everyone's excited and all the bigwigs there. And the next thing you know, the the Nirvana boys had come into the post room and uh, they're like, oh, they're like, oh, all right, all right, guys. You know, uh, I guess this is where the people actually give a shit about music, you know, actually are. And I was this horrible little punk rock kid, must have been 18, 19. And uh, I looked up and I looked at these, these there's four of them then. I think Nirvana were a four piece. Right, and I I looked up and uh, I cut my eyes at Nirvana it was hilarious so I've gone like that I've gone (laughs) (laughs) so I cut my eyes at Nirvana and went back to doing the mail out you know stuff in records in mail outs and so then they shuffled off and I remember really regretting it really really regretting because there was this guy uh, Sean who was this this posh kid that worked in the post room he didn't give a fuck about music it was just you know it was just another connection another family connection he was a rugby boy and he went out and he sort of hung with Nirvana next door and he got them to sign copies of Nevermind, which he came in afterwards. And Kurt had signed it K-U-R-D-T. And I remember saying to Sean, like, how the f- hell do you fucking spell Kurt like that? And Sean's like, you know, to Sean, love Kurt, and all, all that sort of shit. And I sort of regret And then I actually bothered listening to Nevermind and it became one of my most played ever albums. And it was a, it was a real regret. But it was, we'd have a lot of, we hung out with loads of people. I remember one time which was a really funny story right the velvet underground's uh photographer nat finkelstein he was like the one who f- shot warhol and shot all that he was like for some weird reason he was a massive fan of the fly medallions and he sent his girlfriend nancy yeah he lived in amsterdam and he sent nancy over to the over to england in a you know, you know, a, a mini bus to come and pick up the fly medallions so we could go to Amsterdam to play some clubs in, in Amsterdam. Nice. And so this poor woman, Nancy, came along and there was two we had an enemy journalist and there was two of Nancy's friends from Amsterdam that came with us and so we got in the van and we, we, we never thought we were out of order. We were just wild but we didn't think we were doing anything wrong. I remember, always remember so Nancy picked us up and we left Century London. We were driving down to Dover to get the ferry or wherever it was to get the ferry to Amsterdam or whatever the fuck we're going
0: yeah
1: and then we noticed that Nancy the driver as she's driving on we noticed she was crying yeah whilst driving here we're like what's up with you Nancy what's up with you yeah and it turns out she was so terrified of us psychos in the van yeah like of, of, of what she was having to pick up and we didn't know what we were doing but the funny thing is when we got to Dover her two friends these two blokes in the van with her we stopped the van, and they pulled the van doors open, yeah, and they s- ran off into the night. Yeah, they were so what, scared. What is enemy yeah, No, and... no, no. That this was this was the two got the two friends of Nancy oh, Nat Finkelstein's girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, so they just ran off into the night because we we were they were like, who the fuck are these psychos that so we're having to drive back to? back to Amsterdam so there's poor <laughs> Nancy just weeping at the wheel <laughs> we are crying right crying in terror we weren't horrible to Nancy oh, yeah, this is yeah, why yeah. I don't understand why but I think I think we were kind of quite we were insane the Malians were known for being just wild yeah. yeah we weren't violent we weren't horrible we was you yeah. know we was really right on yeah. do you know what I mean but we were fucking bonkers yeah so anyway we, we finally got to Amsterdam And she delivered us to, uh, it was in a Nat Finkelstein. We did the gigs, it was at the milk bar in the Paradiso, and it was wild. We ended up doing a fashion show, like like a fashion, catwalk (laughs) fashion show. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) and all that. But the funny thing, the funny story here was I remember, like, so this enemy journalist Jack, this was, I can't remember what happened to him, why I know exactly what happened to him. So he was covering us that weekend, and we was due to drive back on the Monday or whenever it was. And remember, we woke up on a Monday, and and uh, I remember I'd pushed my bed onto a balcony over a canal and stuff, I was <laughs> covered in, I was covered in bites, mosquito bites and everything. But then, this Jack had, had pulled the night before, this journalist, and we was like, fuckers pulled, yeah? We was like, that's not right. <laughs> yeah, and I looked down, and we had Jack's, like, in the, in this hotel room, Yeah, Jack's passport was, with, was there, yeah? And we was like, poor Jack. <laughs> we just drove off, took his passport, oh, no. and we just drove off and left no, no. left this enemy journalist in Amsterdam with no passport. Um, and we drove back. Oh, but it wasn't, that was kind of like, we, it wasn't because we were, I mean, it's fucking totally out of order, but at the time, <laughs> we didn't, we weren't doing it maliciously. We just thought it was funny. I remember it us just funny. laughing, just going, just going, <laughs> just laughing like, we were stupid and we didn't think we were doing Anything wrong? But that's, <laughs> that's the thing, you know. It was it was chaos. It was two from ninety two to ninety five. It was complete carnage and chaos and fucking mayhem. And it and it ended, you know. It ended with a fatal tour bus crash, you know. But that's kind of. But I say when it happened, it was like it really was the case to live by the sword, die by the sword. And it, and it did, man. But it it was a crazy fucking time, and up until that point. I don't think anyone got hurt you know every fight every, every I mean we got we were guest DJs once doing the big Hands and Punk night in the 90s and because uh, we were cunts we just decided we had the original theme tune to Batman you know do no do no do no and this was a, a thousand capacity club night full of students and the indie kids Tuesday nights. so our slot an hour so we put on the Batman theme tune, Junior, 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 Junior. And we were like the the in the band, you know, we were like the guest bands, DJs, you know, cool band. So, you yeah, know, people dancing to this first song because of Fly My is the DJ. So the song finished, yeah, and me and Stewie, it was always like me and Stewie were the the agent provocateurs of of evil imp, impishness, yeah. We put it on again. Do 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 and we're just like laughing at each other. That song finished and then we put it on again, do 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 and suddenly the crowd has stopped dancing, yeah? And so this fucking whole club thousand thousands of people just like not dancing and not doing just looking weird. Why are these fucking idiots playing the same song over and over again? Because we were cunts, yeah. So then the in-house DJ come up to me in the booth and he's like listen mate I think you've, you've had enough this is, <laughs> like, this is after we've been DJing for like 15 well 10 minutes of constantly repeating the same song but we weren't cunts yeah, yeah. so I said cool so he came come in he was a little bit arsy he was like the in house club DJ but he, he comes in and I'm still in the, the DJ booth with him and he puts on a record you know and I'm sort of you know, I've got my records in a the bag there and I'm just laughing but my girlfriend at the time she'd seen him being a bit of an arsehole to me I didn't mind, you know. What I mean, I was an arsehole I didn't mind people yeah. being arsehole to me. But she came up and she did the naughty thing of she put her hand over. she was playing a hip hop record, and she put her hand over the desk and went wah, 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 on the desk. Yeah, but he didn't know she was my girlfriend, and so this geezer has gone. Bam! He slammed her, like pushed her, slammed her across the floor. Yeah, like across the desk, mm-hmm. and um obviously you don't. You know, he he just pushed my girlfriend over and he didn't know it was my girlfriend. So next thing you know, this poor DJ, I'm knocking the shit out of him against the wall. We in the DJ booth, yeah, you know, head against the wall, punching his face in. And I look over and this is the when the crazy shit happens. So I look over and there's a big bouncer running across the dance floor at me. But cause we was at the medallions, we were just a fucking gang. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, He's coming right up me. Next thing I know, Stewie. Yeah. Stewie's just like... Wah! I just, just leapt on this bouncer. And it's, I'm just like... Oh, my God, yeah. And suddenly... The bouncers are running in, yeah. From all the fucking... All angles. And suddenly, it's like... "Wow!" Like, so I leapt out of the fucking DJ booth, yeah. And suddenly, it's just... I'm not joking. The club has exploded. Because also, there's a lot of our mates there. Yeah. Suddenly the medallion gang and everyone has just started fucking rocking, yeah? And there is a gigantic, <laughs> gigantic fight, like, in this dance floor. And again, I remember it now, like, it's slow motion, just no one getting hurt. I just remember going, <laughs> bam, 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 and turning around, bam, bam, and everyone, it was just like everyone standing in the middle of the dance floor, bam, bam. And um, But Stewie, this bouncer who Stewie'd he turns out he was the Olympic fencing, you know, the sword fighting. The Olympic, the English Olympic fencing team, uh, hope, and this was just for the Olympics just or the Olympic, to... yeah, the Olympic trials. And Stewie broke his broke his geezer's ankle. Uh, I don't know how Stew was like, you know, just a raw, you know. Yeah. And so Stu put him out of the Olympics. God yeah. Up, so know. next thing you know, we've got a warrant out for Stew's arrest. And Stew had to Christ. had to um, go in and get arrested. And um, the medallions were supposed to play. The Raw Club the week after. Yeah, we dj yeah. And so Stu got arrested and it was a pending, you know, trial. Yeah, I think ABH or whatever it was, or assault, I don't know. I think it's probably ABH. But we had to do we had to play the Raw Club the week after. Yeah. And basically we'd we'd had a huge with the bouncers. Geezer was out of the Olympics and they wanted to kill us. So we was like, okay, so we put the word out to our mates and we had a like hundred good mates come down to the gig ready to ruck and there was a standoff and it was like, you know, yeah, with this you know, there was like fifteen bouncers there. And it was like, you know, don't fuck with us, you know, we will tear this fucking place apart and yeah. you apart. Do not fuck with us. You know, and and we did that gig and it was weird. That was the first gig where we had a full page in enemy and the enemy writer Simon Williams, he'd he was just like, you know, it was fucking electrifying and it was because we were waiting to fight. Yeah. You know, a load I of mean... bouncers and stuff and that was kind of the start of, you know, the medallies and then it became like a thing and we didn't think we were doing anything wrong and we, in, in hindsight, we were just so stupid. I've oh. been working all day for me mate on the side Running around like a blue ass fly I've been working Yeah, I've been working all day for me mate Every me.